Hi everyone, David Harris here with you for Criminal Injustice with a news bonus, Body Cameras for Police. Where are we now? Well, ladies and gentlemen, body cameras, the footage, the images, all of it has been front and center over the weeks of the spring of 2021. I picked up uh, a newspaper the other day. I, yes, I actually still read Dead Trees versions of newspapers. This happened to be the New York Times. And thumbing through Section A, the front section, there was an entire page taken up by three different articles from three different areas of the country, each one about a different investigation and the status of body camera footage. In North Carolina, they had not released it yet. And over here, it showed this. And in a third place, it showed that. Um, it's, it's easy to forget, I think, that the use of body cameras in the United States by police officers is a relatively new phenomenon. It is something I have been working on for some years from a variety of perspectives. Anyone who is out there who has been with the Criminal Injustice podcast since its beginning might recall that episode number one, Uno, number one, was about body cameras. My guest was Vic Volchek, then as now, the legal director for the Pennsylvania ACLU, and we talked about this technology and its possible effects on policing, on citizens, and so forth. Since that time, body cameras have penetrated and been adopted by literally thousands of police departments, and thousands of police officers use them every day. And when there is a bad incident, there is an immediate call for the release of footage. Well, let me just make a couple of comments about where I think we are now. Uh, I'm engaged right now at this time that I'm speaking uh, in a research project uh, to produce some writing. Uh, Ten years ago, actually it's now 11 years, I published the very first, and uh, not the last, but the very first uh, law journal article about body cameras in an American law review publication. And it is time to take stock and see where we are. So you'll have to wait for the publication of said article, um, actually for the writing of the said article to be completed and then its publication to find out the whole thing. But I have a couple of thoughts today. Here they are. Number one, um, you know, we started out with the idea that body cameras would be the key to police accountability. That's where all this came from in the United States. Body cameras have actually been on the scene since the mid-2000s in the UK, and that was what spurred me to write about them. But when I published my, my piece about it in 2010, they were almost not present at all in the United States. Trying to get some traction for the idea back in 2010 did not elicit much of a reaction. But after the events in 2014 in Ferguson, Missouri, 
all of a sudden, everybody is all over it. The federal government pledges $75 million to help pay for these and so on and so on. And you know some of the rest. Um, and now we have them widely penetrating throughout the entire country. And one of the reactions to this, that these would be a great device for citizen accountability, for police accountability to citizens, I should say, was for some states, including my own state of Pennsylvania and others, to enact state laws to make the footage much less available to the public. In other words, to classify body camera footage in such a way that it would not automatically be given to the public when there was an incident uh, for which the public demanded that footage. I've said before, probably here, uh, certainly in other places, that I think that's a mistake, given that citizens were kind of promised that's what this is for. That's why we're spending your taxpayer dollars. And, and by the way, it's plenty of money to have these recordings. And if you wall them off from public access, that is a mistake. Well, uh, just in the last week or so, uh, on the day I'm recording this, we have seen that mistake in action. Because among the states that have attempted to make that footage less available, besides my own, is North Carolina. North Carolina's legislature created a law that said that the footage could only be released on the order of a judge, that a police chief uh, could not make the judgment for his or her own department's purposes, that it had to go to court. Well, there was, as many of you, I'm sure, know uh, by now, a, a killing by police in a small town in North Carolina called Elizabeth City. And immediately a cry went up from the family and from others uh, that the man who was killed, his name was Andrew Brown, I believe, that he had been murdered by the deputies who were there who shot him. And they demanded the footage. And uh, the family was allowed a peek at 20 excerpted seconds of the interaction from a body camera reaction of, uh, of, of, to that by one of the family's lawyers was for her to come out and publicly announce that this had been an execution and they demanded that the rest of the footage come out. Well, a judge eventually had a look at it. Uh, because of that North Carolina law, they had to go to court. A judge was going to have the final say, and the judge said no. No, you can't see it. I'm not allowing it to come out for at least 30 days so the police can finish their investigation. Right? And that was very unsatisfactory to the police who wanted it released as well as to the family. Nobody was happy with that, and that renewed uh, a lot of the public anger. The demonstrations continued and so forth. I mean, who knows? They might have continued anyway, but certainly nobody was satisfied by this. So this has been one of the interesting currents that I have followed. Here is the other. Um, I looked at the footage from a recent shooting by police very carefully, uh, footage from a body camera. 
Uh, many of you, I'm sure, uh, have heard about this and probably even seen it. There was a 13-year-old in Chicago. His name was Adam Toledo, and Adam was killed by a police officer's gunshot. There was body camera footage from the police officer's own camera, uh, and I was asked to look at it and analyze it by the CBS television station in Chicago and to give an opinion. And I looked at it. I viewed it many times. I want to tell you, it was incredibly awful. I mean, to see what, what anybody could see, but what I saw was a 13-year-old being shot and dying right in front of you. I mean, uh, you know, as a parent, as a human being, uh, I found that very, very difficult. Um, but let me tell you what I saw when I bore down on it real hard. Um, there was considerable footage of the officer driving to the area. The police reported that they had been given a report that shots had been fired in a particular neighborhood, multiple gunshots. That's what this officer was answering. That's the call he was answering. And you see, without any sound, the video of him driving up to the area, getting out of his car, and beginning to run down a dark alley. And it's only in the last 10 seconds or so of the interaction that the sound comes on. Really, it's just 10 or 12 seconds uh, from the beginning of audio until after the shot is fired. And then if you bear down further, it's the last three seconds that really count. And in those three seconds... And you can stop the images and you can look carefully. Here is what happens. You hear the officer saying, drop it, drop it, show me your hands. And as those words are coming out of the officer's mouth, you can see this boy has a, an object shaped like a gun in one of his hands. That hand is down by his side. And then it is a matter of a second and a half, maybe that long, maybe just one second, that hand with the gun seems to toss it aside and both hands are in the air. And that's when the fatal shot is fired. Right? If you freeze the frame at that instant, you see this boy, hands in the air, both hands empty and getting shot. It is so awful. But if you back it up a second or a second and a half, there is that same person with a gun in his hand. And if you back it up a second before that, there's an officer saying, drop it, show me your hands. And you know that in those seconds, that officer probably is raising the gun into position to point it at a person with a gun still in his hand. And all the while, you know that this police officer and that youngster with the gun, they have been running full speed down a dark alley for at least 10 full seconds. you got to know the adrenaline is up and high and running. And this is 
all happening so incredibly fast. I mean, that, that interaction from drop it to the gun dropped to the hands up is not more than three seconds total. It's all happening faster than you can see it when it is shown in real time. You have to, to see the details that I've just explained to you, you have to stop it and stop it and stop it again. Now, what's my point in telling you this other than to make the point that it all happened pretty fast? What I heard and read in the aftermath in the public reaction, in the expert analysis, having engaged in that myself for this television station, indicated to me that what people were doing was freezing the video at a particular point and focusing on that, depending on their own points of view or what was most important to them. I'm not going to blame anybody for that, but I'm. Th- th- this is important. People are taking the video... They're isolating a piece of it, and they're saying, see, this kid was shot with his hands up. And that is absolutely true. Others are saying, see, this kid was shot when he had a gun in his hand. And that's true, even though he'd thrown it down like half a second or one second before. Others are saying they were running as fast as hell. They, they couldn't possibly stop the actions. That was true, too. And what was also true was all of this happened in a flash. And so the lesson here, my friends, is that having the body camera image, even when it shows you all the details, doesn't necessarily tell you what is right. Okay? All those things were actually true at one point or another. And you can look at those and say, see, the officer obviously shouldn't have shot. That that child had his hands in the air and the hands were empty. True. Others look at that and they say, that young man had a gun in his hand. What could the officer do? He was running full speed and telling him to drop the gun when he saw the gun in his hand and and the hand was moving. What could he do? Right? So the lesson is that having the video is important because it will put various facts beyond dispute, but it isn't going to solve the argument every time. It just isn't. It can't. People will focus on certain pieces of it. I could practically write you the script right now for what the defense of that police officer will be if he is charged with a crime. And I could write you the script for the prosecution. And they will be different scripts. And we'll see what happens. That's it for body cameras right now in our society. Much more to say about that in coming comments. You can hear all of our news bonuses right here by going to our website every time. That is criminalinjusticepodcast.com. You can also look there to hear all of our interviews with some of the most impactful and important people in the criminal legal system right now. This is a member-supported podcast. We are proud to have your support. Go to patreon.com slash criminal injustice. I'm David Harrison. I'll be back with you next time.